Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. And this is episode 11, and I'm your host, Jane Portman. And today, our co-host is the main in Kai Davis, who is an outreach consultant who's been hanging out here for a few episodes by now, and you probably know his story very well. And hi, hi, hi Kai. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So today for our episode, we have a nice topic. We're going to be talking about... Uh, how to interview people the perfect way, how to explore different formats for your content, how to you know gather that content for the top tier of your book, and how to do that super effectively. So let's start with the written format. Absolutely. So when it, when it comes to interviews, I think at a high level, they're valuable to you as a product creator because it both leverages the authority of a third-party person. So you're not only saying, hey, I created a thing. You're saying, I created a thing and these other people who you place trust in, who you value, also have contributed in a sense. So it elevates the value or the perceived value of your content. In terms of the format of a written interview, I think there's a lot of different ways that they could go. You have the strict one-on-one interview format where maybe you do an audio recording or maybe you send them some questions, they respond back, and you turn that into a narrative. You'll typically see these as like framed as a profile or an interview of person X. Or you have the aggregated interviews, which are where you select 5, 10, or 50 different people, send out questions. Yep. So I imagine... The first one, getting an extensive written interview is pretty hard because it takes a lot of follow-up to make sure the person actually writes down those questions for you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when you're doing the full-on profile, one-on-one interview, it does take a lot of follow-up. I mean, you're basically asking somebody to write a blog post. You're saying, here's five questions. Can you write a paragraph each? I found a couple small strategies are breaking it down into small questions saying, hey, send me back your answers in the form of bullet points or two to three sentences per question. But even that takes a lot of work. You're asking that person to set aside 30 minutes, have to think about it, have to edit it. Oh God, now I have to make sure it looks good. And it can be challenging for them. What I found works really well is actually saying, here are the five questions I want to ask you. Let's hop on a Skype call and just talk through them and I'll record it. So you're able to get their off-the-cuff responses. You're able to dive a little deeper if you want to. And then you're able to listen to the interview or run it through a transcription service and edit the transcript after the fact and say, okay, great. Here are the answers to the questions I asked. Now that I have them in a text test text format, I'm able to move ahead and turn it into an interview style or a profile style article. So You definitely want to figure out what's the easiest way for the person you're contacting to contribute. Sometimes it's sending them the list of questions and they respond back. Sometimes it's sending them a form, maybe a Google form or a Wufu form and saying, just type your answers in here and I'll turn it into an interview. Often it's easiest to say, here are the five questions. Let me send you a link. We'll just do a quick 15-minute Skype call and I'll turn your audio responses into the written interview. All, bottom line, make it as easy for the person to say yes as possible. Absolutely. I did a bunch of uh, written interviews for my first book, and I included them into the main body of the book. However, there are a few really mm, problems you can run into. First is the people being unresponsive, and this is natural. You're asking them to write a few pages. This is not an easy task. And the other, you are never too sure upfront what kind of quality of text they're going to turn out. I mean, I'm not saying that my interviews are all bad, 
but they might have completely different style. But when it's audio, it's much more um, acceptable to have a variety of styles because you have, you know, you have the moods going on, you have the emotions and stuff, and the person has character there. But when it's re- uh, turned into written form, it's it doesn't necessarily look attractive. It cannot, it might not cohere with the main tone of the book, for example, and it just might not enjoy looking at the text and. Uh, well, what do you do with it? You've already got it. You have to publish it Absolutely. to some extent. <laughs> and this is not what kind of content problem you want to run into. It, it is a challenge. And I think you're hitting one really, really important part there where, or getting to one of the important parts where when it's an interview included in the book versus a separate interview versus a separate audio interview to the person buying it, each one of those has some amount of value prescribed to it. So if you advertise your product as saying, hey, featuring interviews with these people versus, hey, featuring five 30-minute video interviews with these people, it could be the exact same content. The written form could just be a transcript of the video content, but people put more value to the video or audio version of those interviews. It feels more intimate. You could hear my melodic voice in your ears. It ends up raising the perceived value of the product. So there's definitely a few things to think about in terms of what's the easiest way for me to get this information, what information makes sense for the content I'm producing, and what will my audience value the most. Absolutely. And for some reason, you know, multimedia formats like video, audio, they are valued higher and they're easier to produce. So as of today, it's a no-brainer for me. But for some reason, in my early days, I was totally convinced that written form is, you know, easier to pull off because you have to, you know, it's easier if you're not confident enough to, you know, confront that magnificent person (laughs) in real life. (laughs) So you can just, you know, send off questions, get answers. But as of today, there's no, you know, no doubt what format to pick. So absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the dirty secrets with bonus content like this or interview content is not everybody who buys your product is actually going to listen to it. Like I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. I've spent thousands of dollars of informa- on information products, which include wonderful interviews with people I admire, and I never watch them or listen to them because I'm like, I don't have the time to do this. But I still opted for the higher priced package because knowing I had access to those interviews, knowing I had access to that content six months, a year, two years down the line was enough value for me to say, oh, I should buy this so I have the option of listening to it or the option of watching it. In my early days, I would buy Brennan Dunn's top tier of the book and I would religiously listen to all the audio or whatever he has included there because, you know, I had a much lower financial you know, position. And I was so much investing those $200 into something that I was religiously listening to them. And I mean, that's kind of the reader of what you want to have really in your life. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you want to make it so the content is position is being incredibly valuable as is solving the pains for the people that are listening to it. Uh, uh, when we think about like interviews for a book or a product, one strategy I've used as I've solicited expert interviews from the traffic manual is to focus each interview on one aspect of the book or one problem the book is helping the audience solve. So instead of saying, hey, I just want to interview about topic, I'm saying, hey, you're an expert about this tiny subset of this topic. I want to interview about you about that topic. And when I'm positioning and presenting those video interviews to the customers, to the people buying the book, instead of saying, featuring an interview from person X, I'm able to say, 
featuring an interview from person X about this specific thing. So if they read through the book or they have a question about creating an effective landing page or creating educational content or how often to follow up, suddenly they're able to say, oh, this interview, this one interview answered that that question particularly well for me. I want to listen to this one above the other ones, where if it's sort of a homogenous mixture of 17 interviews, enjoy the reader or the buyer is left without that context of, well, which one is the most valuable for me? I only have 30 minutes. Which one do I want to listen to? So I think by making sure that you're framing the value and framing what question the interview answers, you make it easier for the person to say, oh, sure, there's 17 videos here. This one video is going to be worth it for me. That's the video I'm buying when I purchase the higher tier package. This is a superior piece of advice because for my UI audit book, I'm clearly committing that mistake. I was asking, uh, I'm just I'm just done with about six or seven interviews for the UI audit, so I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> clearly. This has been a um, great experience. And I've been kind of roughly asking the same questions, but I've been getting all kinds of answers, and this really expanded my view of the topic on the book. Really, really, I'm glad that I have that insight now. I can include like little snippets of the interviews in the book itself. Mm-hmm. But And I think that's a wonderful... Oh, there please, you go. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful way to sort of close the loop and reuse that content within the book itself. So when you're able to say, okay, great, there was this 30-minute interview with person X, this two-minute section is really, really valuable. I'm going to excerpt that and include that as a mini case study or a mini interview within the book. Suddenly, you're able to provide value and you know, encourage people to say, if you have a basic tier of out the videos, you're able to say, hey, you know what? This page was excerpted from my interview with person X. If you want that, click here to upgrade. And so we get into a bit of product design there where if you have videos at a higher tier, well, how can you use portions of those videos or portions of any content included in a higher tier in the base tier and then use that as the call to action to, if you enjoy this little sample, upgrade and get 10 times more than this. Frankly speaking, in my little world, I have not been great on upgrades for my older product. <laughs> I don't know what are the stats for, for other people. I think these little tricks are great, but I might just still think they, in general, people do not tend to upgrade. They kind of give me the decision when they buy and that's it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But we should try. <laughs> we definitely should try. What I've seen a little success with is advertising to people uh, uh, three, six, or nine months down the line saying, hey, you bought like the basic tier of this book. By the way, I'm running a special right now for the next three days. If you want to upgrade to the medium tier and get all of this additional awesome stuff, great, hey, you get X percent off and just click here to do it. And you'll be credited what you already paid for the base tier, base model, whatever package you bought before. It can be an effective way to move people up to a higher tier. But like you're saying, not a lot of people often may not do that. People may say, hey, yeah, I already bought the tier I wanted. I don't see the value in upgrading. But for the cost of a couple emails, if you make $500, $1,000 off of it, it could pay for itself just through a few sales. Yeah, actually running a sale on an upgrade is a great strategy for, for a book. I should put, totally put that down. Um, absolutely. So I want to get back to those aggregated posts when you run written interviews with, let's say, 20 people, which I think is a terrific organizational burden. How do you overcome that? So I did something like that for Summit Evergreen a few months yeah, ago. Where I've been there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I, I believe you were featured as one of the mm-hmm. experts. 
And uh, the way I managed that was to start by saying, well, what's the list of the people that I want to reach out to? And then doing a two-pronged approach where first I'd send an email just asking for a simple yes saying, hey, I'd love to feature you in a, I can't remember what phrase I used to refer to the interview. Oh, an expert roundup. I'd love to feature you in an expert roundup about this topic. Uh, If you're okay with answering three questions about it, just shoot me back a quick yes or give me a thumbs up and I'll send you across the question. So I sent that out to the first wave of people. Some percentage of people respond. Not everybody, let's say between 50 and 70% of people will say, yeah, sure, I'm down. Then I just send them across a short email that's like, hey, excellent. I'm so happy. Here's a link to the form to answer your questions, or here's the questions. Just hit reply and give me your answers. 99% of people would just click the link, go to the form. I think I had a Wufu form set up or a Google form set up, enter their answers there, and boom, I had the content in a spreadsheet and was ready to use that content. So in terms of logistics, it made it really easy to reach out to experts and say, I'd love to feature you in this thing. First, are you interested? Yes, no. Once they had said yes, I'd sent them across a link to the form. They could answer their questions in there. And then I was able to do whatever I wanted with that content. And what I ended up doing with that content in Summit Evergreen's case was to say, I want to frame this as if it's an expert roundtable where I sat down with each person and got their questions. So I wrote a narrative around it and then just structured it as, Jane, here's the question. And then put your your response there as if it was your answer. So to the reader, It's content that's presented as if it's a one-on-one interview or a series of one-on-one interviews. Logistically for me, it was incredibly simple to just start from the perspective of these are the experts I want to include. Let's make sure they're on board. Let's send them the questions. And now I can do whatever I want with that content. Frame it however I want in this expert roundtable. That's a big insight for me. So essentially, it's a survey. It's just... Essentially, it's a survey. Like (laughs) TLDR, I sent people a survey and said, hey, answer these three or four questions and... They answered. One one trick on that survey that I really like is having a – so I make all the fields that I want answered required. And then I'll have one optional field where I'm like, who else do you think I should include in this? Who else should I reach out to? And maybe half of the people will say, hey, here are two names that you should reach out to. So then I'm able to follow up and say, oh, I'm so happy you suggested, you know, uh, uh, Joanna. Can you introduce me to Joanna? I'd love to feature her in this thing. And so I might start off with a small segment of just 10 people who I want to interview. But by asking, who else do you think should be interviewed? I could get that up to 20 or 30 potential people on the strength of those referrals. Great. That's a snowball principle of virality right there in action. Absolutely. But but logistically, it's it's a simple survey. It gets sent out to people, they respond back, and you can do whatever you want with that content. It's amazing. I've always thought it's uh, terrifically hard, like incredibly hard. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like cheating, honestly. It felt very, very simple when I did it. And I know lots of people who are focused on link building use a very similar strategy where they'll solicit these survey responses from experts post this roundup of like the top 50 link building tips from 50 link building experts and then reach out to those link building experts or people in whatever industry and say hey i'm so happy you contributed to our expert roundup it's over here if you want to link to it you could just copy and paste this link onto your site or click here to tweet about it and suddenly you have these experts throwing their traffic at what really was a survey that you aggregated and presented nicely Right, right. And uh, it's a terrific way to build links like from nowhere, seriously. Absolutely. Build links, build relationships, and also build your own authority. Suddenly, you're the site with the, you know, the roundup of 10 experts on how to launch a SaaS or how to build a product or how to do X, Y, and Z. 
it cements your authority in the industry very well. Absolutely. The next format I'd love to discuss is a written format based on an audio recording. I've never done that in my mm -hmm. life. I think it requires some kind of journalistic skills because you have to condense that, you know, put it into edible format. What's your take on that? I cheat. <laughs> I cheat hard. So if I do an audio interview of somebody and I want to turn that into a text interview, my first step is to use a podcast transcription service. Mm -hmm. I'll send off the audio file. I'll get back a transcript. It's not going to be perfect. It'll be 90% there. But suddenly I have the entire content of our interview as a text document that I could edit, I could pull from, I could pull quotes from. It does definitely take a little more let's call it journalistic talent or writing talent to say, well, I'm going to create the narrative. I'm going to create the story around this interview, but it's a quick and dirty way to get the content from the expert you want to profile and then turn that content into text that you could easily edit. So going from, Hey, let's hop on Skype for a 30 minute call, record that call using Skype call recorder or Zencaster, and then send that audio file off to a podcast transcription service in three or four days, you could end up with a text document that just lists everything you talked about and you could run with it and turn it into whatever content you want. By the way, I'd like to mention that if you ever done transcriptions for your podcast, you'll be amazed that half an hour of talking includes, let's say, 8,000 words, which is an incredible body of text. It's huge. I was impressed, seriously. You never actually think about it until you do it, but <laughs> it's quite an experience. It's crazy. And it, it's amazing how in what feels like, oh, this was a 30-minute podcast conversation where we talked about one topic. When you read through that interview transcript, you could realize, oh, well, we touched on like 10 different topics here. There's four different ideas for articles here. I could turn this into so many different forms of content. You could really reuse an, an audio interview that took 30 or 40 minutes and turn it into a case study, an expert interview, two or three articles, the interview itself, a downloadable lead magnet. There's tons of ways to reuse that content. There is a pretty uh, famous service uh, that's called Books in a Box. When, uh, you know, professional journalists would come to you, interview on a topic uh, for, let's say, five sessions uh, an hour each. And then as an output, they would compile a book uh, on your professional domain that, and uh, it's way cheaper than hiring a ghostwriter because they're reusing your own words. It's not like they're ghostwriting or something. They're just, you know, editing down your own interviews. And uh, I'm not sure about the price, but let, let's put it rough. It's something like $15,000, which for people who are ordering this service, it is an edible amount of money as opposed to, let's say, three months of work they would pay into, they would invest into writing the body of the book themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a quick way to get that information out there and turn it into something that could be really high valuable, high value. It's no longer, hey, I'm an outreach consultant. It's, oh, hey, here's my book about the principles of outreach. And that that is more than worth the price tag on the service. And you can do it yourself. So it's a basic principle of converting your own audio into your own written form, just uh, with a few um, specialists involved, and you can easily do that. However, I tried that for myself, and I do not find myself talking smoothly on the subject. <laughs> Maybe it should be a need, like a dialogue better than a monologue, but I find myself terribly bored to death when <laughs> I try to talk about something. Have you ever tried that? I'm about to, actually. A few friends, uh, one of which is Kurt Elster of uh, EtherCycle.com, uh, has been telling me how he's had a lot of success using OSX's 
uh, uh, audio transcription service. There's now a native transcription service built in where you could just text to speech to dictate things. And so his workflow has been, okay, I have my idea for an article or a post or a thing. I'm going to just outline it in bullet points so I understand the general flow of my talking points. Then I'm going to talk to each bullet point. So a bullet point might turn into three to five minutes of him talking about it. He ends up with a text document that follows the general flow he's looking for, hits on the main points he's looking for, and that's his first rough draft that he could then go back to, edit, refine it to his voice and his language, and now he has a blog post. And for some people, that's a much easier workflow than sitting down to crank out that blog post purely in text form. It could be easier to get that first draft out there just by going through your bullet points as if you were giving a webinar or a presentation and saying, okay, what do I have to say about topic A? talk for three minutes. Topic B, talk for five minutes and work your way through it. I love it. I certainly need to try it. That's great. Because I think the biggest problem was the absence of those bullet points when I started to talk. Here, it's solved right there. And another problem is actually sending the notes, like sending the recording to the transcriber. You know, it's a back and forth process, requires people and it's just a very big friction point right there. But there it's it's solved again. So why not? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. And I think even when we think of things like lead magnets or ways to share content with our audience, you might have written a really, really great blog post on a topic. Well, take the most important points from it and turn it into a quick audio dump of you just talking about it and suddenly offer that to your list. Like, hey, you loved my post about outreach and SEO. Here's a 10-minute uh, mini podcast, mini monologue I put together talking about the main points. Some people from your list will say, oh, great, I get to listen to it on my run. Some people will say, eh, not for me. Either way, it's a great way to reuse a topic you're already an expert on, turn it into a new form, and present it as something that's higher value. That's great. I'd like to touch one more time uh, interviews for the book, because uh, many of our listeners are putting together their own books like now. And um, it's a great way to develop a top tier for your book that's so necessary. You know, that additional value, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you pick the right experts to interview for a book? Like how high can you aspire to reach or how low? Should you be reaching out to your friends or to top authorities? How do you select those people? It gets a bit squishy. I think that, so let's tackle the first question. How how high can you reach out to? Like how much of an expert can you reach out to? Shoot for the stars. I found that when I reach out to people who are authorities or experts in the industry and say, I'd love to feature you as an expert profile. It'll be a 30-minute audio and video interview. I'll send you the questions ahead of time. This is what the format is like. 90% of people, 80% of people are like, sure, I'd love to. There's never any talk about compensation. There's never any talk about, ah, I can't do it. The most pushback I ever get is, oh, you know what? I can't do it in that time frame. Can we do it in a different time frame? Because you're playing to that person's ego in a sense. You're saying, you're such an expert. I want to feature you as the definitive expert in this thing. The worst case scenario is they say no. Uh, in terms of interviewing friends versus interviewing experts, I think we need to view it from the perspective of the person buying the product. So does it matter that this is... You know, the person with the 30,000 subscriber email list on this topic or the person with the 30-person email list on the topic, if they're able to contribute insight, if they're able to contribute value, if they're able to speak to the topic at hand, either person will provide value. 
if you're trying to play off the cachet of somebody's name in specific, then it's more valuable to get a bigger name. If you're advertising to an audience of freelancers, well, maybe you want to try to get an interview with Brendan Dunn because he has <laughs> a very large following of freelancers. But if you're looking for somebody to talk to you like how to use recurring revenue as a freelancer, well, Brendan Dunn might be a great person, but you might have a friend who's a freelancer who's very well experienced in recurring revenue success for freelancers. And does it matter that you have one or the other if you're bringing them in for 30 minutes to talk about three strategies they could use to add recurring revenue to their business? I don't really think so. I think that it's as valuable to have that friend come in and fill that role as it is to have that 100% starstruck expert come in and, fi and fulfill that role. Yeah, so it probably should be a combination of both. So some low-key people who think really can contribute well and some star names to drop by on your sales page. Absolutely, absolutely. And in the end, for the customer, they're going to be able to say, hey, this is valuable for me. I love it. All right. So wrapping up this episode, there is no reason why you should not be doing interviews, especially audio interviews. They're much easier than we think. And they clearly add value to the people and you get the undivided attention of the audience whenever they listen up to it in their headphones. Uh, Kai, what is your you know life, lifetime takeaway on interviewing people? Your key advice you can give to our audience? The most valuable advice I could give, and this comes from a year and a half of acting as the booking agent for my clients' podcasts where I'm inviting guests on, I'm screening them, doing pre-interview calls. Even if you're booking your own guests for your podcast or having somebody on as an interview to interview for a book, setting aside a 10 to 15-minute window and saying, we're going to hop on Skype, we're going to talk about the topic, we're going to make sure we're in alignment on it, I'm going to answer any questions you have, and we're going to run through the format. This is a pre-interview call just to make sure everything works great is the most valuable thing you can do because you're going to be able to figure out audio issues ahead of time. I've gone on interview calls with people where they're like, oh yeah, I'm just sitting in front of my computer. I don't have headphones in. And I'm like, we're going to need to fix this. Please plug in a headset. <laughs> you have a microphone. Please plug in the microphone. I hear your dishwasher. Can you turn off the dishwasher, please? So doing a pre-interview call a few days, a few weeks ahead of time, just to make sure they understand logistically what they need to have happen can be incredibly valuable as well as giving you an opportunity to say, great, I'm having you on to talk about this topic. Just briefly, high level, let's touch on the three major things you want to talk about in the full interview on this topic. Sometimes they're like, I don't really know, which is great. Now you have an opportunity to say, okay, great, here are the ideas that I really want us to touch on. Sometimes they're like, hey, great, here are the three topics I really want to hit on, A, B, and C. Here's how I'd like to present it. In which case, wonderful. You now have a better understanding of what information they want to share. So you're able to frame the interview to their expertise, to the points they could speak to, making it more valuable instead of figuring it out on the fly. Again, it's almost like that bullet point example when you're writing, you're figuring out the high level ideas you want to touch on. And now it's so much easier for you when recording the interview to just jump into it and say, great, I have person X on, we're going to talk about this topic. Let's dive in. That's great. I've never thought about that logistically because it seems to be a logistical burden once again. But as you're saying, it's probably really worth it. I also think, it again, it plays to the person's ego when you're saying, I want to make sure this interview is as powerful and valuable and representative of your content as possible. To do that, we're going to set up a quick 15-minute interview to make sure we're going to showcase your knowledge as an expert the most in the most effective way possible. It's not like, oh, God, I have to do this freaking 15-minute interview. It's like, oh, wow, this person cares about their stuff. This person cares about making sure the final quality is good. 
I'm going to respect that. I, I'm a hard ass when it comes to this. When I book a guest for one of my clients' podcasts, first, like they might email in and say, I want to be on your podcast. I say, great, let's do a 15 minute interview. Opportunity one for them to just not show up, in which case, obviously they weren't interested. Then once we do that interview, I'll send them an onboarding form where I'm like, okay, great to prepare for this. Just like hit the three to five main questions you want me to ask. Give me your bio, give me a link to your site and upload your headshot. Opportunity two for them to say, oh, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just going to fall out. So I like putting up these little barriers for people to make sure that they're qualifying themselves to come on the podcast or contribute and also logistically making it easier for me. I've been on so many podcasts where after the fact, the host will email me and say, oh, by the way, where do you want us to link to? What's your bio? Where's your headshot? And what title should we use for you? By flipping it around and having a form that people fill out ahead of time, I know that when it comes time to record the interview, we have all that info. I know what questions they want me to ask them. I know in the episode to say like, hey, if you want to learn more about Joe, go to joesblog.com. It makes it easier and it makes it feel like a more professional experience, both for the end listener and for the person that I'm interviewing as part of the product. Absolutely. I love the idea of using a form for podcast recordings. I totally need to adopt that in the workflow. I've seen that custom build for the Rocket Ship FM podcast and the experience they provide to their guests is just spectacular. It's specifically designed separate landing pages for whatever is the pre-interview, post-interview, what you can do to promote the episode. I was just amazed by how they approach it. That's wonderful. They're they're really doing it well. You should uh, a quick oh, You should oops. reach out to them and go there. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. It's definitely on the list. Right now, I'm uh, focused on getting the traffic manual out by the end of November and getting business things sorted out over the next two months. But come the start of the year, I'm going to be doing a more concentrated push towards uh, uh, podcasting and these media placements. Amazing. So Kai, uh, I think today we're wrapping up our series of episodes, our little podcast season, and I was thrilled to have you. Thank you for all the value provided to our listeners. It was amazing. It was super amazing. It was super awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you. It was an honor to be on. And I hope the listeners got a few actionable takeaways to help improve their products, improve their business and improve their marketing. And uh, folks, if you want to learn more about me, you could visit wyouraudience.com. And I've put together a few gifts for the UI Breakfast podcast listeners. You could pick those up at wyouraudience.com forward slash UI. And uh, uh, yeah, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you and help you however I can. Thank you, Kai. Have an amazing season there. Have fun with your book and everything. Just good luck. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Kai. It was great.